Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Speak for Yourself. Marcellus Wiley, Emmanuel Acho. Let's get this story started. And it's brought to you by what? AP Popeye, Louisiana Kitchen. Oh my God, let me get that biscuit. Stop, Acho. Stop talking. <laughs> Lamar Jackson is eligible for a massive long term deal, but that does not mean the Ravens have to do it right now. Peter King wrote that he's bugged by Lamar's 1 3 playoff record. Oh, are you? And he will let the quarterback play this season and let Baltimore, quote, judge his worth then. Acho, whoa. Did the Ravens play this season out before paying Lamar Jackson? I love this story. Um, they absolutely should. Mm. This is the conversation that should lead and dominate headlines until Lamar Jackson gets a new deal. The Ravens don't need to pay Lamar Jackson. Well, uh, uh, I'll play it like this. Yeah. I'm back. If I am Baltimore, what I want to do is see if Lamar Jackson can stay healthy this year and ball before I pay him the top dollar. Okay. The last two seasons, Lamar Jackson has ended hurt. So if I am going to pay a quarterback top dollar, a quarterback who has played four seasons and has ended two of those hurt, then I want to see, is he going to be healthy more often than not? Last two seasons, Lamar Jackson, lower leg injury last season, Mm. concussion the year before. Now, mind you, he ended the season the year before getting hurt in a playoff game. It's not like he missed major time. But the last two seasons, Lamar Jackson ended hurt. Furthermore, Lamar Jackson statistically, though he is declining from the heavens, (laughs) he is declining Nonetheless, I would go to Lamar Jackson and say, hey, for us to not pay you right now is a win-win. If we don't pay you right now, Lamar Jackson and you ball, which you are capable of doing, we gonna have to pay you more. Mm. If we don't pay you right now and you don't ball, then we going to save a couple coins. Mm. So it truly is a win-win. This is not a situation where Lamar is taking an L or the team is taking an L. If I'm the Ravens, Let's let this thing play out, baby, before I pay you Lamar Jackson. This is really the crux of the conversation, which I hope everybody listens to right here and right now. If I am the Baltimore Ravens, I need to find out if Lamar Jackson is an outlier. What in the world do I mean? Mm. Robert Griffin, Cam Newton. Michael Vick, the dominant quarterbacks of our era with their legs and also with their arms, dominated the league. But they had all of their major success collectively early. Uh. Michael Vick, conference championship game as far as he ever went in his fourth year. Robert Griffin, wild card round of the playoffs. That's as far as his team ever went in his first year. Cam Newton to the Super Bowl as far as his team ever went. But that was in his fifth year. I'm starting to wonder, okay, 
How come all of the quarterbacks that have a similar style of play to Lamar Jackson experience their success so early? Hmm. What I think, defenses start to adjust and or the quarterbacks lose a little bit off the fastball of their legs. Cell knows this, and y'all know this. When Robert Griffin came into the league, he took the league by storm because the NFL didn't really know what to do with these college zone read caliber offenses. I know because I played against Robert Griffin in college. He was at Baylor. I was at Texas, and we were both drafted the same year of the draft. Nobody knew what to do with these zone read type of offenses. But as we familiarized ourselves with Robert Griffin and as he got hurt, Lamar Jackson got hurt last year, Mm -hmm. Robert Griffin statistically started to wane. I don't want to pay Lamar Jackson right now if I'm the Ravens for two reasons. Number one, if he don't ball, I can save a couple pennies. But given that I actually do like Lamar Jackson, I drafted him in the first round. If you do ball, I will glad you give me you gladly give you my money. I think they are gladly waiting to give him their money right now. This offseason, they've been on record several times saying we're waiting on Lamar Jackson to get these negotiations going. So should they play the season out before playing Lamar Jackson? Absolutely not. Not by their own wishes. But they are going to be forced to do that. Why? Because Lamar Jackson's not eager to get paid. You imagine this scenario, which is amazing. I can sign right now and get paid $200 million. Or I can wait later, and no matter what happens to me, I can get $250 million. Mm-hmm. What would you do? You would choose plan B. And that's what Lamar Jackson looks like he's going to do. Just go out there. Nothing that Lamar Jackson will do on this football field other than throw the ball backwards to the other team every single play, which is impossible, would hurt his financial status with this organization. Let's just be real about it. Dak Prescott lost one leg on the football field and still got paid, paid, paid. This is true. So through injury, we keep saying that, like, Lamar Jackson, show me you're healthy. Show me that you won't get hurt. They're not going to ask that of Joe Burrow when his time's up. He's been to the Super Bowl. I hear what you're saying. But then, okay, so you're saying this, is it based on injury or is it based on playoff success? Because if it's based off of playoff success, then Deshaun Watson, what you doing with all that money? Oh, Deshaun Watson only has one playoff win. Josh Allen, who I love, my brother from another. You went to the Super Bowl yet? Mm. What's your playoff record? Three and three? Interesting. He got his money. So any category you put him in, the Dak Prescott injury category. Oh, you've been hurt before Joe Burrow category. Oh, your playoff record sucks. Deshaun Watson category. Josh Allen to a degree. Everywhere you try to box him in, he just giggles. He's like, dog. Steve Bushotti, the owner, literally went on record, said, Lamar Jackson, if he wants to play it this way, can play this year, franchise, franchise, and get $60 million Mm -hmm. a year. If you're negotiating against that guy, why are you in a rush to getting paid when that guy is already forecasting $60 million per? I like it. Again, like I said, Lamar Jackson can end up winning if he plays his cards right. But if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, you have to think about this. America, you too have to think about this. Quarterbacks that win Super Bowls with the team that drafted them, They do it in their first five years. Mm. Let's go back the last 20 years. Mm. Outside of Tom Brady, and Tom Brady will still be included in the stat as you listen, quarterbacks that win Super Bowls with the teams that drafted them do it in the first five years. Joe Flacco, 
first five years, year five. Eli Manning when he won that Super Bowl, first five years. Ben Roethlisberger when he won that Super Bowl, first five years. Carson Wentz, albeit Nick Foles was a starter, first five years. Russell Wilson, first five years. Patrick Mahomes, first five years. Aaron Rodgers won it in his third year as a starter. Tom Brady, obviously, when he won his Super Bowl, first five years. Quarterbacks that win Super Bowls with the teams that drafted them, they do it in their first five years. Now, there are the quarterbacks like Matthew Stafford, won a Super Bowl outside of his first five years. Yeah. Wasn't with the team that drafted him. What? Drew Brees won a Super Bowl outside of his first five years. Wasn't with the team that drafted him. Chargers. Tom Brady won a Super Bowl in Tampa outside of his first five years. Wasn't with the team that drafted him. You all get the point. Ravens fans understand the point. Statistically speaking, over the last 20 years, if a quarterback is going to win a Super Bowl <laughs> with the team that drafted him, it is going to be done in the first five years. Mm. This is year five for Lamar Jackson. If the Ravens are going to see Lamar Jackson win a Super Bowl, this is the year that it is going to happen. This is not subjective to my opinion. This is objective yeah, yeah, data. Yeah. With that being said, Baltimore Ravens, why not let this year play out? Because studies and stats show if we go win a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, yeah. it's going to happen this year or would have happened already. Oh, amazing point. Impossible to disprove. But there is room on the side of that point. So now you're the Ravens. You play this year out. Lamar Jackson did not win a Super Bowl. Odds are you're not winning a Super Bowl. You can walk up to, it's so funny, you can walk up to every single quarterback and say the odds are you're not going to win a Super Bowl, but you're wrong just once. <laughs> Everybody else you were right against, but one of them you're wrong against, right? So we don't know who that one is, right? So then we go to the Ravens after this season and say, y'all didn't win a Super Bowl. Y'all heard Acho. He said, if you don't win in the first five years, it's a wrap. Now, Ravens, what you going to do? You going to cut Lamar? You going to just franchise him, franchise him to what degree? To make him Kirk Cousins so he going to get his money here, then bounce somewhere else and still have a good career somewhere else and make you kind of sit there and say, where's my quarterback? Like, they have no options. Think about it. I love what you said in terms of the actuaries. Like, we got to run this model, and we ran this model so many times. Look what happens. If you don't win in the first five years, it's a wrap. But what do you do if you're the Ravens? Your organization's not a wrap. We just didn't win a ring. Now, we're going to get rid of... Lamar Jackson? Are we going to just keep franchising Lamar Jackson? Or are we going to marry the imperfect Lamar Jackson mm -hmm. like every other marriage out there? You marry someone imperfect, you know that answer. They're going to marry Lamar Jackson. <laughs> right? right? Uh, this is going to be a great dialogue because right? I really think we're just getting warmed up. Now let's talk real ball player to ball player, mm -hmm. former athlete to former athlete, analyst to analyst. Mm. <clears throat> I love me some Lamar Jackson. You love you some Lamar Jackson. We both love us some Lamar Jackson. But what we also know is this. Lamar Jackson is going to have a higher, Lamar Jackson is going to peak sooner than the traditional drop back passer based off his style of play. You think? Okay. The reason I think so is because any quarterback that is this dominant with their legs mm. peaks sooner than traditional drop back quarterbacks because what we know about People that use their legs at more of a position, running backs, they peak uh. sooner mm. because the legs, they deteriorate faster than the arms. It's very simple. Mm. That's why cornerbacks ultimately move back to safety. Shout out to <laughs> Charles Woodson, et cetera. Yeah. They move from cornerback to safety because the legs start to decay. Even though the mind doesn't, that's why Charles Woodson was still a beast when he played safety. Yeah the legs will start to slow down. Mm. So Lamar Jackson's going to peak sooner than the traditional drop back passer. Very simply <clears throat> put, you're going to see Lamar Jackson's peak, in my mind, in the first seven years of his career. Woo. Now, 
I don't think that's any sort of condemnation. What that is is, let's look at the other quarterbacks that were phenomenal runners. I'm not going to call them running quarterbacks. I'm just going to say quarterbacks that were phenomenal runners. Let's not actually look at it. We've already shown you all the full screen. But you do think about the aspects of, like, Cam Newton was a dog, big dog. Dog, dog, dog. (laughs) But after that fifth-year MVP in that Super Bowl, it started to go downhill real fast. Mm -hmm. Mike Vick was a beast, former teammate of mine, one of the most favorite players I ever played with. But it started to go downhill at a somewhat rapid rate only because of everything that happened over the course of his career. And Mike Vick was such a threat with his legs. Mm. So if Lamar Jackson's going to peak sooner, what I would do if I'm the Ravens, I want all the juice out the squeeze of that peak. Mm. Let me get him five years, fifth year extension. Let me franchise him. Bet. Let me franchise him. Bet. I've now had Lamar Jackson for seven years. I'm telling you, if he doesn't win a Super Bowl by year five, studies show he's not going to win it in Baltimore. But for gosh dang certain, (laughs) if he don't win a Super Bowl by year seven, Mm. now it's all but done. Because I know this much. Really? I think it's Peyton Manning, outside of John Elway, 1990s. Yeah. Peyton Manning is the only quarterback to win a Super Bowl with the team that drafted him after those first five years. And Peyton Manning obviously won that Super Bowl with the Colts. So if you are a Ravens fan, you got to start to understand, like, wait a second. If they don't win it in the first five years, unless Lamar Jackson is going to be Peyton Manning, it's probably not going to happen here. Uh Oh, you give me a look, big dog. Yeah, uh, Terry Bradshaw knows, you know, he won four, so outside, but he may have started early. Yeah, when, when you win the first when one. When you win the first one. Troy Aikman, first one, it probably is it a few five. years. Yeah, yeah, first, first five. five. Okay, I love you, I love you, Troy I love Aikman you. First five. I think you're judging the book by its cover. I am. I am. I'm, and, I'm and, on and, and it's not a normal cover. It's a hard cover. <laughs> and it's hard on these guys. This is going to sound different than it is intended to sound. You can't compare Lamar Jackson to RG3. Michael Vick, or Cam Newton. Mm. But I can see why we'll make that comparison, the simple, lazy way. But also, you have actual deep evidence that correlates, mm-hmm. that brings them together, makes it look a little congruent. I want to detach that. Please do. RG3. Oh, I remember the moment. I ain't know RG3 like that. I know him now. <sighs> Going into that playoff game, I said, don't play. And remember, everybody was like, no, 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 he's going to be okay. I was like, you are putting your, first of all, I'm the guy who fell off the hill because of injury. You're putting your entire career on one game. I get it's a playoff game, but you are not ready to return. Hmm. He died. His soul came out of his uniform on that football field. I'm not like, he was never the same. You're talking about one day, one way, the next day, never the same. That happened on that playoff day. RG3, you can't make a comparison because he never could recover back to becoming RG3 for whatever reason. Michael Vick, we're not even going to talk about off the field and all those things that interrupted his, his growth and his maturity on the field. Let's talk about his lack of maturity on the field. Michael Vick's the, my homie. That's my dog. He used to say he didn't even study. That ain't Lamar Jackson. He said he literally wouldn't study like he should have studied. Lamar Jackson is all in on it. Say what you want about Lamar Jackson's results, his process. Not anybody can speak negative about it. Cam Newton had his moment as well. Dive on the football, as most people would say. But point being, in the Super Bowl, Cam Newton was that close. Whether he was diving on that ball or not, I don't know if I would have done it and tore off my torso like Drew Brees did when he got hurt in San Diego. But point being, Cam Newton was that close. And then all of a sudden, Think about what you can do. See, this is the impossible proposition people make. Cam Newton was in the Super Bowl, a player so away from winning it all on an MVP season. Oh, he didn't do any better after that. You know how much you can do that's better? This much. 
actually dive on that ball, actually keep possession, actually score one more time, actually win that game. That. Everything else is for him to fall down. And he did, and he got kind of distracted, fashion, et cetera. But that's not Lamar Jackson either. Like, to me, Lamar Jackson, the only thing he has in common with those guys is I might run as well as I could throw it. But I don't think any of these guys ever led the league in passing touchdowns. So Lamar Jackson should be excluded from that category already. He like, dog, have y'all even done what I've done with my arm? No. So why are they just trying to put us all together just based on our I'll legs? say this. I'll say two things. One, I love your point, but we have to remember, leading the league in passing touchdowns has to do with the competition, not necessarily yourself. Yeah. Remember Cam Newton, he has thrown for significantly more yards than Lamar Jackson yards. in his rookie season. Yeah. And remember Cam Newton, he threw for 35 passing touchdowns in that season. He won MVP. Not more than Lamar. Did not lead the league, but he had the same amount as Lamar. Oh, Lamar 36, yeah. Cam Newton 35. Yeah, Lamar like uh, oh, Cam Newton had, I believe, eight close. rushing touchdowns. Peace. B. I Come mean, on. that's why he was an MVP. Come on. Um, yeah. Let's get into the nuances because I think sometimes, Sal, people be like, Acho, why you hating on Lamar? They say that. Sal, why you hating on Lamar, though you rarely hate on Lamar? Um, mm. Mm. There are three reasons that have nothing to do with Lamar Jackson's name as to why I think Lamar Jackson's peak will come sooner, which is why the Ravens are not making a mistake by letting this season play out. Three reasons Lamar Jackson's peak will come in the first five years, if not the first seven. Mm. Number one, Defenses adjust more easily to that style of play. There is no worse offense to play in college, no worse offense to play in college than a triple option offense. (laughs) I vividly remember my senior year in college, we won our final game. Mm -hmm. My defensive coordinator, Manny Diaz, walks into the room and he simply says, thank you. I'm like, why are you thanking us, coach? He said, yo, if we didn't win this game, we were going to have to play a bowl game against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech runs a triple option. Much harder to prepare for. Preparing for a triple option team, you usually practice against an offense with no football Mm. to make sure that everybody on defense maintains their responsibilities. So on defense, you're going up against an offense with no football in practice. Make sure you stop the run. Make sure you stop the dive. Make sure you stop the pitch. Mm. You can adjust, though, the next time you face a triple option because you've had an at-bat before. So Lamar Jackson, defenses have adjusted. That's why I think come the playoffs, his stats aren't as good. Number two, Mm. Lamar Jackson will physically slow down. See, drop back passers. I don't care if Tom Brady goes from a 5'6'40 to a 5'8'40. Not that big a deal. (laughs) But if Lamar Jackson goes from a 4'4'40 to a 4'7'40, much bigger deal. Lamar Jackson will slow down more often Mm. than not. And lastly, this applies to everybody, salary cap. Oh, there you Once go. Lamar Jackson gets paid, he's taking up so much money that he has salary cap uh, casualties. Think about Dak Prescott, Cowboys, Amari Cooper, gone. Randy Gregory, gone. So when I think about Lamar Jackson, mm. the reason he has to get it done sooner than later, defenses are going to adjust. He is going to physically slow down as it pertains to his legs. And then the salary cap casualties, which apply to everybody. The last note I'll leave you with, Sel, is this note. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, the winningest quarterback at the age of 25 in the regular season, 37 wins. But how come come the playoffs he struggles? I think it goes to my first point of teams adjust. I look at Lamar Jackson's first four playoff games versus Patrick Mahomes' first four playoff games versus Josh Allen's first four playoff games versus Joe Burrow's first four playoff games. And I ask myself, wait a second, Lamar, although you are just as good, if not better, in the regular season, how come in the first four playoff games of your career versus their careers, you pale in comparison? Mm. One and three, three and one, two and two, three and one, four total touchdowns as opposed to five, six 
and 13. Seven total giveaways as opposed to two, two, and zero. The reason being, as I look at it, it goes to that first point. It's hard to play that triple option the first time. But the second time you play that triple option, you have practiced it before, so it's easier to slow down. Mm. Lamar Jackson is impossible. Not hard to play the first time. He is impossible to play the first time. That is why he was a unanimous MVP. Unanimous MVP. Impossible to play the first time. But after a while, Sal, I do think as the stats show, you can start to figure him out. Ravens, no need to rush to pay him. Let it play out. And if he steals it from you, Mm. he deserved it. I love coming to your restaurant. It's so much to eat. You give me so much on the plate. Oh, where do we start? Oh, let's start with cap casualty. Randy Gregory was not a cap casualty, dog. Most sacks he ever had, what, six? He had it off the field issues. Not reliable, not responsible, as reports said. Mari Cooper regressed every single year he was a Dallas Cowboy. I don't know about cap casualty, man. I'm just going to say there. But let's start with your greater point, which I love. But I got some counters to it because the defense attorney in me is listening. Um... Let's start, at, let's start with this guy who didn't win a Super Bowl, but running quarterback, trivia, running quarterback, age of 35, still tilting, age of 35, second in MVP voting, running quarterback, didn't win a Super Bowl. Your beloved team. Randall the, Cunningham? Yes, Randall Cunningham. He didn't slow down, dog. He didn't slow down at 35. Steve Young, MVP again, 33, winning a Super Bowl again, like, mm, 33. Like, we pretty projecting something that we it's almost like what they say if you think you can or you think you can't you're right (laughs) either way like if you think he's gonna slow down well we're gonna throw some rg3 we're gonna throw some vic at you maybe uh cam newton at you but if you don't think he's gonna slow down you're gonna throw some randall cunningham you're gonna throw some steve young at him and that's what i think in terms of character in terms of approach to the game in terms of the blessing that the game gives us, which is sometimes you feel protected. You're not injury prone. Um, you go to a good organization that buys into you, et cetera. All those ingredients that make you a success. And Lamar Jackson has all of that cultivated ground around him in Baltimore. And I have never seen in a negotiation that has not occurred. The owner is on record saying, please, let's start this negotiation. And that's only for one reason, because he knows that it's cheaper now and greater later. He doesn't want Lamar to wait. And Lamar wants to wait because he's not stupid. He knows it's greater later. The Mm -hmm. only problem, and I love what you're saying, but Mm. again, Mm. for every player you point out to, it makes me worry. Okay. You speak of Randall Cunningham. Big fan of Randall Cunningham. Might be a bigger fan of his daughter, Vashti. Like the Kai Jumper beast. I think she's a silver medalist, if I'm not mistaken. It's a complete beast. That whole family freak out. Just a beast. Mm. But Randall Cunningham, through the first six years of his career, four times he started 12 or more games. First six years of his career, four times he started 12 or more games. Through the last 10 years of his career, three times he started 12 or more games. Mm -hmm. Even if I were to look at Randall Cunningham, I would be like, I'm worried. Because while Randall Cunningham, to Marcellus's point, Marcellus is exactly right, at 35, he was still tilting, at least from a passing perspective. He was, in fact, still tilting. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded that at 34, he played three games. Mm -hmm. 36... He played six games. At 37, he played three games. Mm. At 32, he played seven games. I'm reminded of the fact that Randall Cunningham never played. 
that's why he could tilt to 35. He's so stupid. Because he was always absent. And mind you, at 33, he retired. Yeah. So even if I were to try to look at the heroes of yesteryear who could also tilt running the ball, I'm like, wait a second. Even Randall Cunningham, the last 10 years of his career, only started 10 or more three times. Mm. Lamar Jackson, he only started, what was it, eight games, nine games last year, something like that, maybe 10. I'm just, I'm, I'm not even concerned. Mm. I'm honest. Lamar, if you ball, I'll gladly pay you. I will make you the highest paid quarterback in the After history of football. After a unanimous MVP, your proposition is if you ball? You After save, you save your coach's job? If, you, if you ball? If you've told me what? it's timing. It's timing about balling. It's yep. not just balling. You got to ball at the right time. That's real. And so it's like, it's not that Lamar Jackson hasn't shown he's capable of balling, but Sal, it mm. doesn't matter if you hit 21 when you're playing blackjack if you're betting table minimum. <laughs> it don't right? matter. Like, you well, can pay three that minimum two. is relative to who played. Fair. That might be a lot to them. Not to Acho with the purple suit on fresh. <laughs> but to them, uh, like you gotta, you uh, gotta hit blackjack. You gotta hit blackjack while playing twenty one when you playing table max. Because it doesn't just matter when you, you hit get it. Out, you gotta, right? you gotta get the most out. I give you that. I give you that. Uh, but Randall Cunningham played in the era of football when it was criminal and illegal to play football. Like right when I came in, I was like, yo. They are playing different than they playing right now. Them pads were thumping back in those days, so I can understand why you wasn't always out there. I don't know, dog. Them, them pocket passes be getting hurt, too. They do. 31-year-old Tom Brady was, I'll see you next year because of his injury. So either way you play it, Lamar, it seems like you're going to come out on top. Now play it right so you can come out even higher. Coming up, we'll tell you Baker Mayfield's passion is helping or hurting his career. But first, LeBron, Westbrook, and AD bowing to make it work. We'll tell you if that's a mistake by the king. That's next on Speak for Yourself. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Time now for Rewarding Performance, brought to you by Capital One. What's in your wallet? Well, Russell Westbrook's future in L.A. has been in question all offseason. But a report says Russ, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis had a phone conversation. Yes, a phone conversation during Summer League. They were expressing their commitment to one another and vowing to make it work. So, Sal, is LeBron trying to make it work with this big three a mistake? No, it's not a mistake. I mean, truly, it's his only option. Let's just be real. Based on the salary cap, based on those three guys eating up 75% of their cap, they don't have the flexibility, so they have to run it back. But as I learn in life, it's not just what you're doing, it's how you're doing it. And the way that they're going about doing this, let me just use my relationships and my marriage as an example that they're going about it all wrong. This might end ugly in divorce court. One, you're having a phone conversation to clean up all of the issues that you had previously, which tells me right now that one, two or three, all of you guys are not being what you should be in the moment when you're around each other. 
which is you need to be honest to your teammate. My wife and I just had a conversation in front of my best friend. And he was eye rolling and shaking his head because he couldn't believe how we were talking to each other. I said, oh, no, over here, we talk honestly, nicely about every situation as it occurs. So we don't have to have a summit meeting, a (laughs) conference. So therefore, we get on the phone and then try to clean up all the spilled milk from weeks ago. And it's crazy that every time I've been on a team and then finally we hit that breaking point, that tipping point, we say, all right, coaches out. Players only meeting or we have a phone conversation on three way and we leak it to Chris, Chris Haynes and tell him, hey, let the world know we try. I don't like the methods. The methods are leaking to me that they don't have the proper chemistry to handle this, because how did it even get to this point? And do you really, really think a phone conversation erases all those transgressions? I love what they're trying to do, but I don't love how they're doing it. I love your take. Um, I'll go as far as to say it is a mistake trying to make this big Mm. three work. And the reason I'll go as far as to say it's a mistake, we got to look at the parties of the big three. If I'm looking at AD, if you're healthy, that's something. Yeah. But if I'm looking at Russell Westbrook, he's just never shown us that his style of play is conducive to winning championships. Mm-hmm. His style of play is conducive to getting him to the Hall of Fame. Russell Westbrook's style of play <laughs> is conducive to winning him an MVP award. But his style of play has never been proven to be conducive to winning championships. And at this junction in time, Ooh. LeBron James don't need to sell tickets. He's LeBron James. Yeah. He needs to win championships. Why would I want a big three of a player that is oft injured and another player that's just off? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what I want if I'm LeBron James. It's one thing to take the risk of having AD. Obviously, he stays hurt. But to take that risk of having Russell Westbrook as well, I just don't think it makes a ton of sense. Furthermore, so more now in the NBA than ever, do all three parties in the big three need to be capable at any point in time? Mm. I think about the Warriors this year. They had a big three. They just didn't know who the three was going to be on any given night. Was it Steph, Clay, Dre? Was it Steph, Clay, Poole? Was it Steph, Poole, Wiggins? Mm. Was it Steph, Wiggins, Clay? Was it Steph, Wiggins, Dre? You were going to get three from the Warriors. You just didn't know which three because the Warriors had that much depth. Think about the Bucks last year. Drew Holiday came up big. Yeah. So big that in this year, anytime Drew Holiday scored 26 points or more, guaranteed dub for the Bucs. That's how important that third person is. So if you know in this day and age how big the third person is to winning a chip and your third person isn't a great fit in Russell Westbrook, Mm. I would not be trying to make it work as much as it appears LeBron James is. Oh, interesting. I don't know if we're ready for this full screen right now. That compares Russell Wilson, as I talked to the producer, Russell Westbrook. Um, Russell Westbrook, in every major statistical category, including points, outplayed the third fiddles that everyone lauds about, like Mm. Andrew Wiggins, like a Jordan Poole, Mm. like a Marcus Smart. It's interesting. I mean, Russell Westbrook came here, and we'll talk about it later, but those Laker expectations, man, they're poisonous if they don't live up to them. But let's talk about this right now. Why LeBron has to run this back. Think it, whoa, okay. What was that, the Apollo song? (laughs) Sandman gonna come out. Here's the thing, Acho. Just say you came to your dress room today and you're just like, oh man, they got the purple suit out. I love the purple suit. Look at it, you crispy. I ain't wanna wear purple today. And then you're like, I don't wanna wear that suit. And they say, well, this is the only suit we have available for you right now. What do you do? You gotta put it on. Put it on, that's facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
LeBron in his heart of hearts may probably doesn't want Russell Westbrook there. He wants a healthy Anthony Davis, and he's like, not even because Brody was bad like that. It's just Brody got labeled as bad like yeah, that. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. you just don't want to be around Pigpen. Even mm. though Pigpen ain't that dusty if you just one shower, Pigpen clean. But you just don't want to deal with the dust or whatever that radiates. That's how I see it. But LeBron, what else you going to do? He opted in to $47.3 million smartly. And now y'all got to run it back. So everyone's supportive of him because with a new coach, new system, maybe you're going to get a new Lakers version of Russell Westbrook that wasn't even as bad as advertised as Poole, as Wiggins, as Smart. So I just look at this situation. The reason I don't like it is because they're not acknowledging the right energy in the right moment. If you got issues, I don't know this world where people just don't speak through their problems presently. They always wait for them to accumulate. They always wait for them to fester. And then they want to unload on someone. Well, that doesn't solve anything. All it does is make you feel good when you guys dap it up. Yeah, man, we good. We good. But then if you haven't fixed that mechanism, you kind of just repeat it again. You start building again from the empty vacuum you just had. Good luck, Lakers. I know what y'all trying to do, but. Not loving how y'all doing it. Coming up, Baker Mayfield is a Panther now, but we'll tell you if his passion is helping or hurting his career. That's next on Speak for Yourself. Well, there's the song. Now, now we play it. Baker Mayfield is a Carolina Panther now, but during his four years in Cleveland, his maturity level was in question. His former head coach, Freddie Kitchen, says the difference between good, great, and elite is sometimes the passion you bring to the game. Adding Baker's passion is, quote, an attribute and not necessarily a detriment. I chose. Is Baker Mayfield's passion helping or hurting his career? Helping. The only reason Baker Mayfield's career is in existence. The only reason Baker Mayfield's career is worthy of conversation. The only reason Baker Mayfield's career is currently being discussed mm. is because of the passion. I would argue mm. that Baker Mayfield is the most underachieved. Correction, I would argue that Baker Mayfield is the most overachieving player of this generation. As a number one overall pick? Not talking about his draft status, oh. talking about his physical attributes and what he brings to the table. Oh. Baker Mayfield is undersized. Baker Mayfield is undersped. Under what? Undersped. He ain't fast. <laughs> so, Baker Mayfield He's is... Slowy Gonzalez. <laughs> He's <stupid>. undersized. <laughs> He's not fast. Oh, God. And as it pertains to NFL arms, he doesn't have the best one in the league. But he was still a number one pick. He still has the most wins as a Cleveland Browns quarterback in the last 30 years. He's still won a playoff game for Cleveland since oh. the last 26 years. So, a quarterback that is undersized, oh. a quarterback that isn't actually fast, and a quarterback whose arm is simply above average somehow has the most wins for a quarterback in an organization in the last 30 years, oh, somehow has 20, uh, won a Super Bowl for the first time in an organization in the last 26 mm. years. To me, Baker Mayfield is an overachiever. Mm. Why in the world am I talking about overachievement? Because of this. Sell if it's not his size, and it's not Baker Mayfield's strength, and it's not Baker Mayfield's speed, then it's got to be an intangible. Yes, I'll give you that. What it comes down to. Let's go. Right. If it's not your size, your speed, or your strength that's making you great, then what in the world is it for Baker Mayfield? It's his passion. 
That same passion led him to be a starter at Texas mm. Tech from a walk-on. That same passion led him to be a starter at the University of Oklahoma. Mm. That same passion is what led him to route Kansas after the University of Kansas tried to uh, 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 turn their necks, if you will, at uh, Kansas University, tried to turn their hands during the handshake line. Oh, okay. That same passion is what led Baker Mayfield to beating Ohio State, if I'm not mistaken, at Ohio State in Columbus. Mm. Now, that same passion led him to planting a flag and turf. Didn't go <laughs> Didn't go very well. But all that to say, (laughs) it's Baker Mayfield's passion that's made Baker Mayfield Baker Mayfield. I I say this, Mm. and I'm done with this lap. Okay. I was not at all the biggest. I was not at all the fastest. And I wasn't all the strongest. That's cliche to say, but you were big. You're big now. I'm saying comparatively to NFL. To who? Linebackers? You're 235 with every muscle you got plus another one. You weren't big? I'm just saying. Here's my thing. I'm just saying. You I, wasn't, I wasn't the biggest. I wasn't the fastest. I was the strongest. So what I said, I said this. I said, what you say? I said, I'm at least trying to be the smartest. So I said, that's, that's what I said. Did, you, did you accomplish that one? I did. Fitzpatrick. Based, based off of my tangibles, I don't think I played four years in the league. Four, seven, three, forty. Not slow, but it ain't burning. Mm. 25 reps on bench. Not mm. weak, but I ain't killing. 35-inch mm. vert. Not short, mm. but I ain't jump jumping. <laughs> But I'm like, oh, I got me my little four years, little backup, but started a couple games, got me my four years because of this. Yeah. Baker Mayfield has got himself a Heisman and a number one pick and a playoff win because of this. Ain't got much to do with this. I don't think it got a whole lot to do with this. Ain't got nothing to do with these right here. But it got something to do with this, the mm. heart and the passion. His passion has got him to this yeah. point. I think his passion is helping more than hurting. God. Thank God you didn't know Baker Mayfield when he was coming out of college. What happened? What happened? You speaking all this. He ain't big. He underspeed. He's <laughs> That's why he was a walk-on. How was it? No. I don't care where you start. It's where you finish. What? He was the number one overall draft choice. The heart. Oh, 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 really? That's what they're looking heart. for a heart? Okay. All right. Look at well, Ty Matthew. Well, okay, then if it don't ma- oh, yeah, yeah. He was number one. Oh, he wasn't. Okay, okay. So they're going to start going to Princeton now and grab big hearts. <laughs> Man, you better get up out of here, dog. Oh, my grandma <laughs> told me you can't make sense out of nonsense. And I'm going to try and make some sense Why out of this nonsense. Why did you say Columbia? Because I didn't want to put it to me because then everybody's so y'all, y'all, y'all shysty out there in Columbia? Oh, you better chill. World. We got I'm big heart. We got big heart. We got a lot of talent, though. That's the thing. <laughs> Look at your boy. Go ahead. Okay, here we go. You know damn well his passion is hurting him because his career right now is hurting. <laughs> He's a backup. He's a backup. The number one overall pick on his first contract, eh, we'll eat some of this money, fifth-year option. Get up out of here and you're a backup. In Carolina, too. Now, like, he ain't a backup in Green Bay. <laughs> he ain't a backup in KC. He ain't a backup with the Rams or the Chargers. Carol- You're behind Sam Darnold, bruh. How you like them apples? Is helping you or is hurting you? Thank you. Now, well, let's talk about this because uh, Freddie Kitchens want to come out the kitchen talking about how passion heats up the food. Okay, let's talk about it, Freddie Kitchens. It's an attribute, but it is a detriment because you have to base it on the results. Here's the thing that you try to tell me, that his intangibles make him great. He's not great. So now we got to look at those intangibles and say, maybe, because it's so impossible to measure, they're the immeasurables, intangibles, maybe you're not as talented in your intangibles as you once were. Let me give it to you simply. I used to be the fastest at my age in this world. You know what happened? Something tangible happened, and you can see it. You ain't as fast as you once were. I got bigger. I got older. Other kids passed me up. 
It was so easy to see that everyone could see it and there was no discussion. If you don't win the results, then guess what? You're not as tangibly fast. How come we don't do this same measurement and calculus when it comes to the intangibles? Wait a minute, Mr. Passion Climber up the hill. And if it got you that high from walk on to number one overall pick and Heisman Trophy winner, but then you get to the league and it's not working. Hey, let's just say what it is. Maybe you're not as talented in those intangibles. That's how I look at Baker Mayfield. What is it cooking up? And the passion, just like fire. It needs elements around it and it needs material to grab to burn. You got to give me something, Baker Mayfield, in terms of tangible results consistently for this fire to keep burning. Because the flame going out, bro, six wins, six wins, 11 wins, burn, six wins. That's the problem, man. I'm sorry. You said his intangibles made him great. Not great anymore. Personalize it. Um, this go. show, no host, no moderator, that is. Just your boys that played the game talking ball. So let your boys talk ball. Um, so I would submit, and many might disagree, but I'm mm. just going to say what I think. Do you? Um, the reason I didn't play very long in the NFL, because as a linebacker, based upon the proverbial words, I was soft. All right. I wasn't running in there thumping. I wasn't. I'm going to be honest. I wasn't putting my hat in nobody's hat. I wasn't sitting there striking no guy. No, 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 none of that. Right. I wasn't seeing dudes chest to chest form tackles, dumping them. No, I was biting ankles when I could. Okay. I had a rule of thumb. If the running back is bigger than me, I'm going low. Okay. There's no reason a running back is bigger than 235. Right, right. When I saw Peyton Hillis, I went low. <laughs> when I saw Marshawn Lynch, I went low. When I saw Adrian Peterson, I went low. If you're bigger than me, I ain't mean you in your chest. They would say I was soft. You were soft. But I would argue I wasn't soft. No? I would argue I was smart. Mm. See, I realized if I hit you with my head, I might get a concussion. <laughs> and if I get a concussion, uh. then I might get CTE. Oh, stop it. You're a damn so liar. I was thinking to myself, wait, wait a second. That. I would rather, I don't know, dislocate uh, a finger than get a concussion. Really? Yeah, I would rather, I don't know, stub a toe. I would rather bruise a rib than get a concussion. Then a brain damage issue? You'd rather... What? Because I, I, can, I, can, I can assess the injury of a rib. Mm. I can assess the injury of a mm. thumb. Okay. But I don't want a concussion. Mm. So... If I got to tackle you, I'm going to get you down. I'm not going to smack you, but I'm going to get you down. <laughs> That's my dog. I would surmise it. I thought too much playing ball. Oh, there Paralysis we go. by analysis. analysis. Yes. Some cats, the best football players, if we're being honest, reckless. Don't they don't think about nothing. They what? just see ball, get ball. I'm going to go attack. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. That wasn't me. I'm like doing physics while playing. I'm like, okay, force equals mass times acceleration. <laughs> I need to accelerate with my mass at a higher degree. See, it was my smarts that actually kept me in my mind from being a better football player. But it was my same smarts that got me to the NFL. Uh. So the same thing that'll bless you will curse you. Uh. But without the blessing, you're not going to get to where you're trying to get to in the first place. Mm. If I would have been just a C-ball, get-ball guy my whole career, I don't think I would have got to the NFL. Mm. But by overthinking paralysis by analysis, I didn't get as far as I wanted to get in the NFL. Yeah. I think Baker Mayfield's in the same position. Mm. I can't say that his passion is hurting his career because I don't think he would have a career without the passion. Like, I don't think I would have had a career without the intelligence. Now, the intelligence definitely stopped my career because yeah. to your point, Acho, you big enough, you fast enough. Yeah. It's 6'2", 235, 4'7", run full speed. You can knock anybody over. Let's go. Yeah thinking too much. Mm. I'd rather not. I think it's the same thing, big dog. You can't remove somebody's greatest attribute 
and expect them to be the same. And you can't knock somebody's greatest attribute as hurting them because without that attribute, they wouldn't be them. Mm. Uh, I love that story. Full of laughs and full of some real. real gems in there. You try to go slow in the fast lane, bro. You can't be doing that. Get off get your ass off the freeway. Uh, you abandoned reckless abandon, which I've never heard before. Every, first of all, when you nine years old, coach about reckless abandon, you're like, what the hell? Oh, you found out what that meant. You try to call me dumb, because sometimes I did go out through a reckless abandon. I didn't give a damn. Now I'm suffering. Now let's keep it going. Let's bring in Slick Rick the Buker. So Slick, is Baker Mayfield's passion helping or hurting his career? Oh, what a great conversation. You're both right. You're both right. But ultimately, I'm on Acho's side in that he wouldn't have had a career if he didn't have that passion. So in the big picture, it helped him. But I believe that it's not his passion that is undermining him now. It's his understanding of how to utilize it. Call it emotional maturity. Call mm. it self-awareness. It's realizing how to utilize that passion in an effective way to be a leader. Because let's face it, the issues once again with, with Baker Mayfield aren't that he's not able to get the job done, it's how he's going about it and his interaction with others, how he's expressing <coughs> that passion and applying it to the people around him. And by the way, Marcellus, just because he was the number one pick doesn't mean that everybody would have made him the number one pick. And the fact that he was the Cleveland Browns number one yeah. pick undercuts the actual right. uh, appropriateness of being him a number one pick, right? Mm. I mean, we can, we can look yep. through that prism. But um, I'm going to give you an example. I, this, look, this, this, this hits me. You guys gave uh, personal anecdotes. I, I didn't play at the level that you did, but I, uh, I was named uh, – captain of my uh, high school soccer team when I was a junior. Yeah. Normally not a thing that under, right, under, underclassmen got. I was pretty good. Um, and I was passionate. And I, like, like Baker, I played with a chip on my shoulder. And nobody worked harder. And I was a terrible captain. Uh, in fact, by the time we got to my senior year, we had co-captains. And I think the only reason I was retained as a co-captain was because the coach convinced the team not to demote me. Oh. And it was because I did not understand how to apply that passion to be a unifier around the people around me. I knew how to drive me, but I didn't know how to drive us. No one had ever shown me, and I didn't have the maturity to figure it out. I did along the way. I believe Baker has run into the same thing. Like, it works at the collegiate level, and then you get to a point where you're with pros. And you guys could speak to this better than I could. But you get to a point where you're suddenly surrounded by guys who are much better than you are. You got to approach leadership and applying your passion in a different way. There are certain guys who can lead just because they're so good. They can get you where you want to go. And it doesn't matter how they apply it. But then there's other guys who... To Acho's point, like what Baker had physically, what he's capable of doing, he has to engage other people. He has to utilize it. I look at Steph Curry and Tom Brady as leaders. Like physically, are they overwhelming in what they do? No, they're not. That's why we always have this debate with where Steph fits in among all the, the all-time greats. But he has ability to take his passion and infuse it in others in a way that they gravitate toward it, they're not put off by it. 
Draymond Green wouldn't be the player that he is without that passion, but sometimes it rubs guys the wrong way. That, to me, is what Baker is facing here. How do I utilize my passion in the most positive way? He was able to do it at the collegiate level. Hasn't been as quite as successful at the pro level. Quite as successful. I love that little soft mattress we're going to give him because he doesn't know how to properly use what he possesses. He won a Heisman, and you can't win a Heisman on passion alone. It could be your driving force from outsiders. We could say, oh, that passion is what... Stop. I play college football. You ain't winning no Heisman just because you passionate. <laughs> the hell? Y'all know how crazy Fair. I used to play the game Fair. of football and it wasn't Heisman worthy because passion ain't enough. So here's the thing. We're really conflating some things. Let's first just answer this because the question is, is it helping or hurting them? It's hurting them. Whatever he's possessing is hurting them. It just reminds me loosely of the conversation happening right now in our, our country about guns and a lot of people on both sides of it. And I'm not going to get into the politics of it right now. But possessing a gun ain't killing nobody. Pulling a gun out and putting it on this table right now ain't killing nobody. It's not what you possess, it's how you use it. And all of a sudden, we're going to look at Baker Mayfield and all the firepower he has and passion. He ain't using it right anymore. And to me, that's a talent that he doesn't possess anymore. And it's not just based on Fair. what level of game you're on. Because we all make these adjustments. His passion adjusted from high school to college. His passion needed to adjust from college to pros. Maybe it has. But I tell you what has it. The skills as well as the passion. So for us to say that his passion is the thing, it's one of the things, but it's not helping him no matter what you're thinking. Because Baker Mayfield's in a position where he's hurting in part because of his passion. That's fair, but now let's go back to the conversation we so often have on this show, Slick. I don't know if you're ever a part of it. When we talk about diminishing returns, Sel, mm -hmm. you and I talk about this at length. We talk yeah. about the law of diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. You have something and it adds, and it's an additive, and it's an additive. Eventually, you hit a peak where by adding that same thing, it no longer adds value. But here's what's interesting though, about the law of diminishing returns. Sel, there is still a return. Like the interesting thing about the law of diminishing returns is the fact that there is still, in fact, value to what's being added. Though Baker Mayfield's passion may no longer be helping him as it was comparatively, his passion is the only thing that has sustained him thus far in his career. Baker without mm. the passion is really just some undersized, non-super athletic quarterback. Like, Baker without the passion, I don't think ever would have started a game at Texas Tech. And he definitely would not have beat out Trevor Knight to start a game at the University of Oklahoma, nor won a Heisman. Remember, so I told you this story before. I was talking to Magic Johnson one time, and he told me, hey, Acho, what got you here might not take you there. Okay. Hmm, interesting. Hmm. He was referencing the group of people I had around me. Right. He's like, hey, keep in mind, big dog, what got you to this point might not get you to that point. Baker Mayfield's passion is what got him here. I do understand it might not take him there, but I refuse to say that the thing that got him here is hurting him, and I refuse to say the thing that got him here has hurt him thus far. Yeah, Marcellus, I, here I'm just trying to puzzle out. So I'm not saying that... Uh, that Baker Mayfield is not without talent or skill. But we've seen plenty of Heisman Trophy winners who did not succeed in the NFL. It wasn't that they were Heisman Trophy winners because they were the best, outstanding, greatest player in college football. It was because they were the most successful. And that can come from 
a multitude of places. And again, I would defer to you guys in terms of how you define leadership, because I think that's really what we're getting at here mm. with Baker. Like mm. his passion is what drove the teams that were successful around him because he was that fiery chip on his shoulder, the walk on who I have to prove myself every day. And I just don't know that that translates the same way at the pro level. It becomes as much a business as it does a sport. And that's where his ability to understand who he is and how he fits into that picture and that he may have to lead different because now whatever his talent was at the collegiate level, it was good enough for him to be one of the best. But we've seen it. That's not the case in the NFL. So knowing who you are, much like Acho said, like you got to make decisions on who am I and what am I working with and how does that fit into the big picture? Like, I got to adjust. I would imagine, Acho, you weren't making those decisions when you were playing high school or when you were playing college because the dynamics were different. You weren't facing up against running backs for the most part who were bigger than you. True. And you had to figure out, OK, how do I adjust? That's where I think Baker is missing, where it's like, OK, I don't have to be the show. I don't have to be the guy. I might have been that at the collegiate level. But I'm in a different place now, mm. and especially with a team as talented as the Cleveland Browns, it might have been difficult for him to grasp. I'm in a different place, so I have to lead in a different way. Mm. Man, this story can go a lot of different ways, and I wish it was going better for Baker Mayfield because his passion will be helping him, but it's hurting him in reality. And there's no one worse to be around than somebody who's passionate or all pumped up over nothing. And I've been around guys before. Mm. You're like, oh, God, you throwing a party? What if, what, party for what? What's the results? Why are we doing this right now? Let's wait till we really have something to celebrate. So be careful with your passion because I'm old enough to remember when Tom Brady got into the league. And he was picked 199, not picked number one. But he was undersped, as Acho said. He didn't have the arm talent. Oh, everything you said about Baker, you can say a lot about Tom Brady. And Tom Brady is still passionate. Tom Brady used to dog curse us on the football field. Ask Anthony Smith, because I think the cameras caught that one. Dog curse you. Tom Brady going to sideline dog cursing every coach. Passion. It's not what you possess. It's how you're using it. So if Baker Mayfield is going to have it help his career, it's not the possession of it. Proper usage. Coming up, the best of the best in baseball are set to play in the All-Star game tonight. Hall of Famer John Smokes will break it all down for us next on Step by Your Shield. You're looking at Dodger Stadium, the site of tonight's baseball All-Star game on Fox. Best of the best in the game will be on display in just a few hours. But right now, we're joined by Hall of Famer and World Series champion John Smokes. He'll be on the call tonight on Fox. So, John, welcome to Speak for Yourself. And let's start with last night's home run derby, where we saw 23-year-old Juan Soto beat 21-year-old Julio Rodriguez to win the derby. Thrilling fashion. How exciting is it to see this youth movement right now in baseball? Yeah, it's been happening for quite some time, but to make the impact, especially a rookie, come up with hit 63 home runs his first two times, uh, that was impressive. It's not as easy as every, everybody thinks. You know, it's not normal batting practice, a lot of pressure on these guys. So it was a fun event, and certainly uh, Soto showed the world why he's uh, multi-talented in, in various ways. He's an old soul kind of uh, young player, and you don't see very many of those in the way that he approaches the game and how he can hit for power and average. Now let me ask you this, because the 
All-Star Game at Dodger Stadium for the first time since 1980, iconic Dodger Stadium. What does it mean for the league to have the game there tonight? Well, it guarantees you're going to play, right? That's the old thing you worry about. Uh, San Diego, L.A., the coast. No, this is a, a magnificent stadium with so much history and certainly uh, will showcase the All-Star game in a, in a unique and bright way. I mean, I understand everybody needs and deserves to get an All-Star game uh, at their ballpark, but when you're talking about some of the elite uh, weather conditions, and it's going to be hot, but you know you're not going to get any rain. You're going to get the game in. That's always great for the guys who are competing in the All-Star game. Now, look, Smoltz, I don't know if I agree, man. Uh -oh. You know, me and Sel talk about this all the time. Just play Super Bowls in sunny conditions. <laughs> like, we don't need to play Super Bowls in the yeah. snow. We don't need to play Super Bowls in the frigid temperatures. You don't need to play all – everybody doesn't need a fair shot at the All-Star game. <laughs> Just keep it in L.A. <laughs> I hear that. I agree. I mean, the San Diego, L.A., uh, you know, flip-flop back and forth, I think that would be fine with everybody. But I hear what you're saying, especially when it comes to the World Series. That's always been the one thing that I, as a player – cross my fingers that we weren't playing in 30 degrees and i got lucky most of my career because we either in a dome or a warm city yeah well current dodger who plays in the warm conditions and future hall of famer clayton kershaw is getting a start for the national league tonight what are your thoughts on him getting a start now for the first time in his career yeah it's actually a great story when you think about the being here from the dodgers and of course having the latter part of his career still being effective, totally different pitcher than he was. Mm. And he may go down as one of the greatest pitchers of his generation when you think about when it's all said and done, Hall of Fame. But you know, if he's anything like we were as pitchers, you kind of want to see what it would be like to face the lineup the entire game, even though you know you, you wouldn't fare well. He's probably going to get three to four hitters, and he'll want to do his best in front of his home crowd because that lineup is uh, pretty daunting. It's like a football. You know, linebackers, those first four hitters certainly have the size of football players and they can hit it out of the stadium. <laughs> you talked about the first four hitters. Let's talk about this game, which is full of all stars. But which all star are you most excited to see tonight? You know, there's all kinds of, of picks that you could say, uh, but I've always said that, you know, when you've got dynamic young players, I mean, Julio Rodriguez, not a lot of people know about him, and they're going to know quickly about him from Seattle. But but when you when you have to handpick or pick a guy, I'm always intrigued with the young player and how they handle themselves, you know, whether it's Soto or Acuna and the stars that are going to be there. But I've always been a huge fan of uh, Aaron Judge. And I think Aaron Judge at his size, I think there's a lot of people rooting for him to stay healthy. We don't see baseball players that size try to play 162 games has been difficult. But you know what he could do if he stays healthy. I mean, 33 home runs. I know it's a little over the halfway break, but I just want to see what he can do in a full year being out on the field, slashing some DH uh, appearances in there and see what kind of year he can put together. Yeah, we mentioned Juan Soto a couple of times. And speaking of stars, uh, he reportedly rejected a 15-year, $440 million offer that would have been the largest contract in baseball history. Answers. Now, there's two ways you could take this. Tell me, is this good or bad for the game? I need answers. Well, I think the one thing for him, determining, we don't know all the ins and outs. Maybe it was backloaded. Maybe there was things that he was looking for. 15 years is a long time. It's a nice guarantee. Um, I think what, what Washington did was the best they can do, and now we'll see what they do moving forward because there's a handful of teams that obviously would love to lock this young kid up if they make a trade. But all those kind of things usually work themselves out. I mean, I'm different mindset. You know, <laughs> I mean, as a pitcher, 
no one was going to offer me an eight-year deal, a 10-year deal, but I would have taken it. I mean, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. But these young cats are so good, they're betting on themselves and usually winning. And you just hope that he can stay healthy and play a long career. That's my only selfish desire as now an ex-athlete broadcaster. I want to see these guys play as long as they can. And the injuries are running up so fast in our sport. I hope we find a way mm. to turn them around. Man, well, speaking of being good, the Yankees and the Dodgers have the best records in the game but are we on course for a Yankees-Dodgers World Series? I think the, uh, the per first half certainly shows that way. I mean, baseball in the second half with the moves that are going to be made changes the dynamics of a team. So you wonder who's going to do that to get to that level. Houston's awfully good. I think, you know, with the sport being two more playoff teams is going to make it interesting if you can get the two best records. Finally, I've been saying this for years, we need to reward the teams that have the best records in baseball because that journey should produce better fruit in the postseason. And we know historically it hasn't. So when we talk about the Dodgers and the Yankees having the best records respectively, yes, that gives them a decided advantage because they have to play a team that plays at least two or three games. If things were to hold the way they are, then they've got to take on a team that's already used two or three pitchers. So that's the way it should be. I'm glad they made that change. And it's certainly, if you're the best team in 162, you should have a decided advantage going into the postseason. All right, Smokes, before we let you go, you know, you started an all-star game once in your Hall of Fame career. So I know you're on the call, but you can't be on the fence with this one. We need you to pick which side would you rather face tonight, American League, National League. Well, I always want to face the best, and uh, there's a lot of best in these lineups. So mm -hmm. as a longtime National League, I'd want to face the American League lineup and uh, see what I can do against them. And look, the National League, they got to get it going. They have not had success. What is the streak that the American League's had and been on has been incredible. So there needs to be a little bit of urgency for the National League to win this game. All right, John. Well, thanks a lot for joining us, and go get a Dodger dog right now while it's early and the line is short. Enjoy yourself, man. You got it. All right. We'll catch you on the call tonight as the game's brightest stars hit Dodger Stadium for the 2022 All-Star Game. Coverage begins tonight, 7 Eastern, on Fox. Coming up, Russell Westbrook is still a Laker, but should he trust LeBron? Dun, 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 dun. We'll answer that next on Speak for Yourself. The Lakers missed the playoffs last season, but the drama has not ended. LeBron James and Russell Westbrook raised eyebrows when they sat on opposite sides during a summer league game. Now there's a report that Russ, Anthony Davis, and LeBron had a phone conversation during summer league, vowing to make it work. Slick is back with us, but I told, should Russell Westbrook trust LeBron James? Not at all. Uh, and no fault of LeBron, but LeBron got to do his best for him at this point in his career. And Slick Rick Sale, you know what's best for LeBron is not best for Russell Westbrook. We saw firsthand that Russell Westbrook is not best served by playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. Russell Westbrook had his highest field goal percentage of his most recent aspect of his career, but now we calling him Russell Westbrook? Let me mm. get this straight. Mm. So I can play or shoot as well as I've shot from the field, and now y'all gonna start clowning me? Russell Westbrook is not served by being on the Lakers, and the Lakers are not served by having Russell Westbrook on the squad. So knowing that, why would you trust LeBron, knowing that LeBron has to do what he has to do to improve his roster? We know how close LeBron and D-Wade are, and we saw what happened to D-Wade when he was riding mm. the bench in Cleveland. Mm. Now, I understand that D-Wade was to some degree okay with that, but was he? Because 19 or so games into the season, D-Wade was like, you know what, let me go ahead and get up out of here. So 
I can't trust Russell Westbrook because LeBron has to serve himself in this moment, and you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve Westbrook and serve Bron Bron. Fair, Otto, but uh, trusting him doesn't mean that uh, LeBron James has to do something for Russell Westbrook. It's simply, to me, it's a matter of, is he lying to him? Is he telling him something that it turns out not to be true? And I don't know of anything that LeBron James might have or could have said that would get Russell Westbrook to believe you sold me a bill of goods. Unless, unless it was, we're going to play through you, we're going to give you the ball, and I'm going to play off the ball, and you're going to run this show. Because that's not what happened. And that's where mm. I also agree with you. Acho, and that Russell Westbrook has received far too much of the criticism for how this season went. LeBron James's usage rate actually went up from a year ago. Uh, Russell Westbrook's went down decidedly from what he was doing in Washington or any of the previous seasons. So if that was the case, then I would think that, okay, LeBron told, told Russell something that ended up not being an accurate portrayal of how things would go. But the way Russell played seemed, made, made it appear to me that, no, he was told, you're going to be off the ball. You're going to be playing off of me because he tried to play that role. He simply couldn't. So I don't look at, look, whether they're having conversations with this whole thing, like we're going to get together and talk about it and we're going to make it work. It's not because you guys disagree or you don't get along or the personalities don't mesh. The games don't mesh. You guys <laughs> yeah. don't fit together. Mm. You need to have the ball. Anthony Davis doesn't have that dog. Like, that's the issue here. So I don't know that it's LeBron James. Unless LeBron James said to Russell, we're going to win a championship. I know this is going to work. <laughs> then if I'm Russell Westbrook mm -hmm. and I look at how this past season went, I go, you know what, LeBron, I love you. But I can't trust your judgment on what, what is going to get me a championship. <laughs> but I don't know that that was the promise. I don't get anything that would suggest to me that, that LeBron James somehow lied to Russell Westbrook. And to me, that would be the only reason for him going forward not to trust him. Yeah, if I'm Russell Westbrook, I do trust LeBron James. And all of this confusion is just over what the role Russell Westbrook had to play last year. And a lot of that was just based on injury and availability. Like, Russ, Westbrook's like, dog, like, y'all got me here for y'all to come and save the day, and I'm just supposed to be the fill-in, right? Fill in the blanks until y'all come and save the day. Well, how many games you miss, Anthony Davis? 42. How many games you miss, LeBron? 26. I miss only four. So when people say we don't fit together... Mm. How do you know mm. if something doesn't fit together if they're never together? <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. It's like Tetris. And I always used to wait for that flat one to come down because that was the easiest one to put down, right? But what if you don't get it? Like, they're not, if nothing comes down, how do I know what fits? And that's what the Lakers season was last year. So let's scrap that. And let's also get out of the theatrics of we had a phone conversation. Chris Haynes reports that. Like, don't tell Chris Haynes y'all had a phone conversation. He shouldn't find out. All right, Slick, here's some trivia. I got my call log open right now on my phone right here. You want to tell me who I called at 1133? You want to tell me who I called at 1120? You want to tell me who I called 1047? No, you can't. You know why? Because it shouldn't be public information. Like, it's my phone. 
three teammates on the phone and somebody finds out? Like, y'all haven't talked yet? Like, it's such a celebration. They got on the phone together that we're going to actually report it. That's a bad sign, y'all. All I got to say is, Westbrook, trust LeBron because if LeBron don't like you, LeBron will tell you. Case in point, ask Andrew Wiggins. His name wasn't on the letter. Case in point. He went to the Drew League and was dapping up his homies and all these little kids. And then Clipper Darrell was like, Clipper Darrell, can I get a dap, LeBron? He said, no. He said, no. In front of all the little kids he influenced, in front of his home. Like, LeBron is still LeBron. That's why Mavericks still love him like that. That's why Rich Paul still love him like that. LeBron's still LeBron. So if LeBron hasn't told you Westbrook, he off you, trust him. He ain't lying. Ah, here's my thing, fellas. Let's get real for these last few minutes. Uh, Slick Rick, did you write your own vows on your wedding day? Yes, I did. Sal, you write your own big dog? Or you I did, and one? I forgot that. <laughs> I live up to him, but I forgot. I one. love that. about. Oh, you said that. <laughs> what, what I love about people who write their own vows, the concept of vows themselves, is that one line where you start to say, for richer or for poorer, slick, that, that line that follows it or precedes it in sickness and in health. The beauty of vows yeah. is they're not conditional. It's just, hey, better, worse, I'm with you. Richer, poor, mm -hmm. I'm with you. LeBron's mm -hmm. trust and his love mm. is conditional. So trust can't be trust if it has conditions. And if Westbrook ain't hooping like he's supposed to be hooping, he going to get gone. Mm -hmm. So how can Russell mm -hmm. Westbrook trust LeBron James if the trust is conditional? If Russell Westbrook goes out there and is shooting 23% from three to start the season, which is not outlandish, then LeBron's going to look around and say, yo, we need some shooters. If Kyrie Irving all of a sudden can find his way to L.A. and the Lakers can find a way to manipulate Russell Westbrook's contract and make a deal, then Russell Westbrook is gone. So Russ can't trust Braun because the trust has to be conditional based upon the conditions of Russell Westbrook's play or the conditions of who else is available. Not really trust Nick if it's conditional. Mm. Fair. Uh, by the way, the reason that I wrote my vows was so that I wasn't borrowing things being promised mm. that I didn't believe Promise, it or agree with or that they would be conditional like i wanted it to be like every word that i wrote everything that i said was something that i not only believed but i knew that i could carry so through. you ain't put it for richard for poor the in there huh you didn't put for richard for poor i in did there? not hmm. oh. i did not i did not <laughs> you can leave me girl <laughs> because okay. because that was a because that, first of all, it's kind of a trite line, right? I mean, everybody puts it in there. Like, if I'm going to write my vows, then I want my vows to sound like I wrote them, right? Not that I borrowed them or I cribbed them yeah, or yeah. I plagiarized somebody yeah, else, like yeah. section, whatever. <laughs> Enough of that. The question is, and this is the heart of it, is what were the vows that LeBron James wrote for Russell Westbrook? Mm. Did he mm. promise him, you're going to stay here? Did he promise him? We're going to work it out. I mean, look, you're, uh, Celis, you're exactly right. Why are we advertising that we had a conversation <laughs> together? That's uh, what, what is that? Oh, Morning. everything's okay. I mean, come on. <coughs> we we got to be, <laughs> what's the point? You're just mm -hmm. smoking mirrors. So what is it that he's promising Russell Westbrook? What was it that he promised him when he got here? 
that is at the heart of whether he should trust him or not. And I don't have any evidence of anything that LeBron might have said or done that portrayed <clears throat> Russell Westbrook. Was he talking behind his back? Was he, was he suggesting that Russell is the reason? Russell's taken a lot of criticism. Yep. I haven't heard it from LeBron James. So that's why, again, I don't have any reason for Russell to believe that he shouldn't trust LeBron James. Doesn't mean that he's going to stay in a Lakers uniform unless LeBron James is telling him you're going to stay in a Lakers uniform and then it doesn't happen. Then, <clears throat> then he doesn't have reason to trust him. And LeBron James should trust Russell Westbrook because Russell Westbrook lived up to his vows. His vows to the Lakers were, I would be the best third option you guys can get. As this full screen will illustrate, that everyone loves all the other people who made their vows as third options. Marcus Smart, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins. But I ask you, who shot? Who had the most points? Westbrook tied. Who had the most rebounds? Westbrook leads. Who had the most assists? Westbrook leads. So, Westbrook like, dog, this trust has to go both ways. And trust me, if AD stays healthy, LeBron, you play, then we can see if we can fit together. Because guess what? Voila. We'll actually be on the court together. Acho, I see how you're looking right now. I do remember one of my vows. I remember the first line of my vows. You want to hear it, Acho? It says... When I'm alone in my room, sometimes I... Let me stop. Coming up is a city of brotherly love becoming a place of high expectations. We'll tell you if we're worried the Eagles will not live up to the hype. Next, don't speak for yourself. Marcellus, I'm not... Uh Uh-oh. We got to talk my Eagles, baby. Jalen Hurts offense, we already know. They got a huge boost. A.J. Brown this offseason, he's there. But the buzz also joined A.J. Brown in Philly. Head coach Nick Sirianni going on year two. He's aware of all the hype, and he said... Regardless of whether you have high or low expectations, you have to work. And work is what the Eagles do. But, Sell, <laughs> will the Eagles live up to the hype, or are you worried the Eagles won't live up to the hype? Oh, I'm worried, just like Las Vegas is worried that these Eagles won't live up to the hype. Man, I couldn't believe it. I was going to put five on it. I was like, yo, bet on the Eagles this year. The team won seven of their last ten games. Jalen Hurts in another year in this system. They went out there and made the playoffs as a seven seed. Had maybe the best offseason on paper of every NFL team. All right, Vegas, let's throw some money on this team. Here they come. They were nine and eight last year. I know they're going to go double digits. You know what the over-under was? Eight and a half. Same old Eagles. Same old Eagles. And if they're the same old Eagles, oh, Dallas, y'all ain't got nothing to worry about because they be smashing these Eagles. Yeah, I can respect that they probably closed the gap because this paper and all these names has to translate on the field. You get A.J. Brown, he's going to have the impact. You get Jalen Hurts, that worker, that guy of high character and great leadership, another year in the system, more comfortable, he's going to try and close that gap. But let's just illustrate how wide the gap is. Woo! Dallas beat them boys last year, 41-21, spanks. 51-26. to 26. That sounds like my peewee score from last week and this week. We balling out here right now. Now, when I see the Eagles win a game, <laughs> look at these scores. 17-9 since Dak been there. 23-9. Like, those are the games where you still hold your breath. You're like, baby, I'm a- oh, damn, I want to go get something to eat, but I got to watch. It's close. When the Cowboys play them and beat them, smash. You don't even have to sit there and watch these games. I think the Eagles have closed the gap. Vegas disagrees. But I don't think the gap is closed to the point where – All of a sudden, the Cowboys need to worry 
or that the Eagles actually going to live up to this hype. Mm. Uh, I'm not worried at all about the Eagles living up to the hype. Not Dilly. at all. Not at all. But really, because the hype ain't even all that big. Oh, really? Like, think about this, though. If the Eagles go to the playoffs again and get knocked in the first round like happened last year, I don't think anybody will be up in arms. If the Eagles don't go to the playoffs, I don't think anybody would be up in arms. Now, that's a great point. Mm -hmm. Am I worried Jalen Hurts won't live up to the hype? Sure. Okay. Because there are much greater repercussions for Jalen Hurts than there are for the Eagles. Mm. The Eagles in totality are still young. But Jalen Hurts, as it stands, as compared to other quarterbacks going on year three, if you will, you're not young anymore. Mm -hmm. We already know Tua's seat is hot. Justin Herbert, he out here balling. Joe Burrow, he out here balling. So Jalen Hurts, he's not necessarily young as it pertains to other quarterbacks. While the Eagles still are, I'm not worried about them living up to the hype. I have to be objective when I talk about my Eagles. (laughs) They did win seven out of their last ten games, no doubt about that. Unlike most, I watched every down of all of those games because I'm still dedicated irrationally to the Eagles. And I remember, like y'all remember, if you watched any of the games, who they beat. So you remember this. Detroit Lions, Denver Broncos, New York Jets, Washington football team, twice. New York Giants, once again. New, New Orleans Saints. It wasn't like the Eagles were beating playoff teams. The Eagles lost to the Chargers during that stretch. They lost to the Giants, excuse me, during that stretch. They lost to the Cowboys during that stretch. So you lost to the teams that had Dak Prescott, the teams that had Justin Herbert, and you beat the teams that had Taylor Heineke. You beat the teams that had Daniel Jones, who was oft injured. You beat the teams that had a starting quarterback in the New York Jets who didn't know who they were starting at quarterback. So objectively speaking, do not be deceived by that Eagles record last year because it was deceptive. Mm -hmm. Where I am putting all my stock into is the talent of this year. Okay. Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. You got a top five tight end in Dallas Goddard. You have a top five receiving core. You have a top five all-purpose running back in Miles Sanders. That's where I'm putting my stock into. I'm not worried they won't live up to the hype because I don't think the hype is that great, and I think the talent surpasses it. Man, okay. Um, I think the hype is great. It's, It's great enough, let's say this. That Coach Sirianni had to address it. Like, hey, I know y'all hearing it from the media, from family, from friends, from people outside this building. But, hey, calm down. Why? Because people like Miles Sanders say this, and I quote, oh, man, we all feel like we're on the all-star team. It's always doomsday after you say that in the NFL. So we feel great. We feel unstoppable. I'm not going to lie. The vibes are great. Always have been. Mm. That's not the mental makeup of a team that looks like they're going to live up to whatever they're setting in expectations and hype. Remember when the Kansas City Chiefs won their Super Bowl and before the confetti could fall, they were talking about winning six, winning seven championships. Now, some of those authors of those words, not even on the team anymore, let alone they haven't won another championship since. This is the conversation that precedes when a team is thinking greater than they will achieve. Mm. It's just how it goes. Football is It's like the multitude of walls you have to run through. And no matter how many you run through, there's always another one to run through. But if you're coming at it with this mindset, I just don't see it, especially when you're in a division with Dallas. Last nine games against the Dallas Cowboys, Dallas 7-2 against Philly. Dallas won those games, averaged 10 points 
per game, including 20 points or more in four of the last six, bro. Like, that gap, it's wide. It you're not hopping it, even if you get acquisition. But you told me this two weeks ago, that yes. there has not been a repeat NFC East division winner since 2002-2003, I believe, mm. Philadelphia Eagles, Andy Reid. Okay. Knowing that, how then can you believe that the Dallas Cowboys are going to repeat as divisional winners when you know just as well as I, Washington took greater strides in the Cowboys this offseason, mm-hmm. the Giants took greater strides in the Cowboys this offseason, and obviously the Eagles took greater strides in the Cowboys this offseason. Yeah. Clearly, all three of those teams were significantly worse than the Cowboys. I'm not ignorant mm. to that fact. Yeah. But I am cognizant of the fact that if all three of those teams close the gap and are chipping away at the Cowboys' armor, how can you be so confident in the Cowboys repeating? Yeah, because paper can't chip away at my armor. It's just on paper right now. Y'all got to play. Y'all got to ball. Y'all got to close this gap on the field. That would chip away at my armor. Um, there's always a first. So, Cowboys, maybe they repeat. Mm-hmm. Or not recent first. Uh, more than that, I don't have to bet on the Eagles anymore in Vegas. I'm betting Nacho right now. Cowboys going to win this division again, back-to-back. You want to take that bet? When we come back. Oh, look at him coming up. <laughs> Things did not work out a year one for Russell Westbrook in L.A. What happened? You were being ejected. Though. We'll tell you if LeBron deserves any blame for the mess. That's next on Speak for Yourself. Russell Westbrook is a nine-time All-Star, but his first year in L.A. left a lot to be desired. LeBron James has reportedly been blamed for his role in bringing Russ to L.A., But now there's a report that the Lakers and the former MVP are headed for a, quote, inevitable divorce. So I think LeBron deserve any blame for the Russell Westbrook mess. He's really got to take the majority of the blame. Reason being, we know LeBron James constructs rosters. Going back to uh, his days in Miami with the Heat, going back to after the Heat in Cleveland, he has a large say over the roster. We all question Wait, LeBron, you're going to bring in Kevin Love? Is that really going to work? And LeBron found a way to make it work even when it didn't look like it will. So fast forward 2021. Well, let's go before that. 2019, Anthony Davis. We know LeBron James had heavy say in that situation. Mm. Retaining Anthony Davis. We know LeBron had all the say in that. Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, all these old cats on one squad. LeBron James is doing. So when you look at Russell Westbrook on the Lakers, that's a LeBron thing. And if I don't even believe myself, and if you all don't believe me, believe the words of Magic Johnson when he's talking about the fact that I blame, I think it's LeBron James that has to take the blame for DeMar DeRozan not being here. DeMar DeRozan could have been a Laker, and instead LeBron James chose Russell Westbrook. Mm. He chose his homeboy. He chose Brody. I think LeBron deserves the majority of the blame. Surely Palinka, amongst others, could have stepped in and vetoed that decision. But if LeBron wants something, LeBron gets what LeBron wants. I'm with you there. Like, LeBron does get what he wants to a point. LeBron James absolutely constructs rosters, but he doesn't control rosters. Big difference. It's just like if you got a super agent, and, you know, I had a super agent, and you got a super agent, and you got a super agent, he can say, hey, you, mm, you put him here, put him here, you put him here, and you can construct that, but you don't control that. And that's the difference in this situation because LeBron wanted Brody out, out of here and trade deadline. He was like... This ain't working. Can, can we make some moves? And they didn't let him because they doesn't have control. You can bring them in, but you can't move them out. So how much control does LeBron really have? I look at this as like, I don't want to blame LeBron too much because 
LeBron, relatively, of all the Laker greats, is pretty new to L.A. as well. I remember when LeBron first landed and, oh, they were defacing his mural. And like, what's going on? We don't want King James. And, you know, the Kobe love just floweth over. And then the expectations of the Lakers, and they won a championship. But these expectations for the Lakers, I said it before, I'm going to say it again, they're venomous. Like, if they don't live up to their brand, because I'm telling you, they're the number one thing in L.A. in terms of sports, and this is Hollywood. So they will eat their own. They will suffocate you to death if you don't give the Lakers what they want. And Russell Westbrook playing out of role, yeah. third role on the team, now having to be number two or number one every night because he was there every game. What a horrible homecoming for Russell Westbrook. Like, and then the numbers support that in some respects he was better than he's normally other places. And then I'm better than guys y'all keep talking so well about, so great about. Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins and Marcus Smart. So if I'm Russell Westbrook, I'm not looking at LeBron like I blame you for bringing me here because Russell Westbrook is from here. He knows that Lakers brand more than anybody, especially LeBron James. I think, though, Sel, the operative word has to be mess. Do we blame Russell? Do we blame LeBron James for the Russell Westbrook mess? Mm. That's where I think it's unequivocally yes, mm. because the only reason there's a mess is because LeBron James did not set expectations. I say this all the time. Primary tension is bred through unmet expectations. Right. If you have an expectation of something from someone and they do not meet that expectation, that is when tension will arise. Mm. LeBron James did not level the expectation of Russell Westbrook. Really? Russell Westbrook should have come to L.A. knowing he was going to be a three beyond the shadow of a doubt. But he came to L.A. just knowing he was going to be an accessory. <laughs> like, in our minds, we're still thinking of Russell Westbrook as an MVP, a number one caliber player. Mm. But Russell Westbrook is truly a number three. If we would have thought of Russell Westbrook as a number three, then to your point, it would have made all the sense in the world. He's outplaying some number threes. Now, I think your stats were a little bit skewed to some degree because he played most of the season as a number two, so he'll have more points than the likes of Jordan Poole, amongst others. Yeah. But yeah. if our expectations were lower, we wouldn't trip when we see Russell Westbrook giving us 22-7. and seven. Mm. But because we're expecting an MVP caliber year from Russell Westbrook, now all of a sudden everything's messy because we look at Russell Westbrook as a disappointment instead of Russell Westbrook as who he came here to be. For that reason, yeah, I think LeBron James didn't level expectations, so now we're all in a mess. Okay. I, I think their expectations were set. Like, I don't even need to level them. You can't see them? LeBron James and AD are on the team. Russell Westbrook, we acquire you. You number one? <laughs> you number two? Got a super group I'm forming it. It's Beyonce, Elisa Keys, and my sister Tiki. Like, who? What are you? You got one or two? Stop playing. Hey, Russell Westbrook is a beast. But, but you ain't no way thinking you are higher than three. But here's my thing, no big dog. Because think about this for one second. Russell Westbrook got an MVP. AD don't. Russell Westbrook, he went to a finals just like AD did. Difference was AD went to the finals and won, but AD had LeBron James. So I, I think it's more like the Super Bowl halftime show from this past year. Hmm. When you got M on the stage, when you got uh, Dre on the stage, when you got 50 on the stage, when you got Mary J on the stage, when you got Snoop on the stage, who's the headliner? Oh, it's easy. Dre, he the one that brought them all together. Sure. Okay. That's LeBron. But Man. now who the number two? It's easy. Snoop. Snoop, it's, it's his home. Anthony Davis won a championship here with the Lakers. I don't want to hear about your MVP if I'm Anthony Davis. And plus, 
they have they missed the playoffs without me here, bro. I came here one year, we won a championship. And this is not to slight you, Russell Westbrook. And it's not to be like Anthony Davis better than Russell Westbrook. It's just like at home, that's called home field advantage. Then what's Russell Westbrook? Who's Russell Westbrook? 50, 50. Mary J. Uh oh, and that? 50 Damn. upside down? Yeah, 50 upside down because everybody was thinking, what, what's going on? And Russell Westbrook was balling last year, but it was a little, what's going on? Coming up, is Trey Lance ready to take over as a starter? You a fool. We'll tell you what we expect from the Niners quarterback next. Don't speak for yourself. Trey Lance is expected to be the 49ers starting quarterback this season. Lance only 22 years old, but his teammate, kicker Robbie Gold says, quote, he's a lot more mature than people think. Close quote. Sell, yeah. what in the world should we expect from Trey Lance this season? Uh, expect the unexpected. And this is the thing that I love about Trey Lance right now in this point of his career. No one knows what to expect. Mm. So that means you have a blank canvas. And a player in the league before, like myself, once you step on that field, it ain't blank anymore. And right now, for some reason, Trey Lance has been on the field. One play, Trey. But he's been on the field before, but it's still a blank canvas. But he needs to start to paint the pretty picture. If not, you know what's going to happen. You're going to be looking in frame, squinting your eyes. Wait a minute. Change the lens. No, I get in focus. Is that Jimmy G again? And there's no way that Trey Lance can lose this momentum right now. A lot of players are giving me all that player talk right now, the hope talk right before camp, talking up Trey Lance because they believe in Trey Lance. They need Trey Lance. They need to hit on Trey Lance because they gave up so much for him. But in terms of what he's going to do on the field, I don't think anyone could say it with conviction. I've heard bad reports. I've heard good reports. I see the talent. I haven't seen the production. So right now, just expect the unexpected. I will say expect nothing. Damn. Hope for everything. Mm. But don't expect nothing. Mm. Remember, Trey Lance played the least amount of ball of a quarterback that was drafted as high as he has been drafted in literally ever. In the history (laughs) of drafted quarterbacks that high, Trey Lance (laughs) played the least amount of ball because of COVID, amongst other things. Young as can be. Mm. So I wouldn't expect anything. I'm not going into the season with super high expectations of Trey Lance. Mm. Now, I might hope that he can take over and really be the unanimous starter. Hope that he can lead the 49ers far. But the problem with expectations, it leads to disappointment. And as much as we clown Jimmy G, Jimmy G's actually set the bar high for 49ers quarterbacks. Mm, mm. Jimmy G went healthy. Super Bowl appearance. Jimmy G went healthy. Upsets the Cowboys. Upsets the Packers. NFC Championship game against divisional rival the Los Angeles Rams. So we have to remember, it's not a low bar that Trey Lance is jumping over. Trey Lance is not in Detroit. Trey Lance is not in Cleveland. Trey Lance is not replacing a Ben Roethlisberger's remains. No, 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 no. Mm. Trey Lance is going to be replacing a Jimmy G that led the Niners to a championship game, two playoff wins, two upsets in the playoffs. It's a high bar. I would expect nothing, hope for everything. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I mean... Look, the the expectation could be disappointing or it also can promote the standard. Like, this is what we expect of you. With all that talent, man, something has to come from it. I hope it's up to expectations. Coming up, Vikings star Justin Jefferson says he'll be the best receiver in the game after this season. We'll tell you if we love or hate him saying that. That's next on Speak for Yourself. It goes down. Vikings star Justin Jefferson is set to enter just his third season, but... He does not lack confidence. The two-time pro bowler said Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the game right now, but added, quote, after this year, I'll be the best receiver in the NFL. That's right. I tell 
You love or hate Justin Jefferson saying this? This one I love because it's not too far-fetched. Yes. Like, Justin Jefferson is a top seven receiver in my mind. For, mm. for him to think he can go from seven to number one, not too outlandish. Cooper Cup was a top seven receiver last year, and clearly he became the best receiver as it pertains to statistics. I love this one lastly because Justin Jefferson realizes, Devontae Adams, you cold-blooded, yeah. but you're with the best quarterback in all of football. Yeah. Let's see how cold-blooded you are when you yeah. with Derek Carr in this affair fight. Yeah, I love your whole Kobe versus Duncan conversation that you give me the same production relatively, who's speaking on it? Mm -hmm. And Justin Jefferson, he gonna speak on it. Devontae Adams ain't gonna speak on it. Of the receiving yards since Justin Jefferson been in the league, Cooper Cup one, Devontae Adams three. Justin Jefferson right between them. And all the kids love him. Every kid I know on my team loves Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson for that gritty stuff. Well, so. Are you just playing a lot? Are you mm -hmm. orchestrating an orchestra? I told you they do it. I mean, that's it for us. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>